Uh, do you know that old saying, actions speak louder than words? Do you believe that? You, you never heard of that? Well, uh, you've heard it now, all right? Actions speak louder than words. Who believes that? Show of hands. Yeah, uh, probably most of us. I'm a believer in that. Because um, in the end, it's easy to say stuff, isn't it? But when you back it up with actions, it goes, it goes a whole other level. Um, a number of years ago, uh, our family went camping at Little Dip Conservation Park, which is uh, along the coast south of Robe. Brilliant place. If you ever want to go camping, go there. It's awesome. But uh, we were camping there. It was the school holidays, but we were camping in this big campground and there was no one there. Literally no one there. And uh, we couldn't believe it that in this beautiful place, the weather was uh, September school holidays. The weather was fantastic. And this huge open campground, there was no one there. We were there for, uh, I think we were there for about a week, but, you know, two, three, four days in still, we hadn't seen a person in this campground the whole time. And we were cooking dinner one night, and I said, this is just amazing that we could be in this campground and there could be no one there. Like, it's just, the whole campground's really ours. We could do whatever we want in this campground because there's no one. I said, sit like this big concrete table. They had one of those big concrete, you know, outdoor tables that were there. I said... I could take off my pants and dance naked on the top of this table and no one would know. <clears throat> Friends, actions speak louder than words. I can't tell you what happened next. All I can remember is that the next thing I can remember is that I was dancing on top of this concrete table with my pants around my ankles uh, in this conservation park. I kid you not. I kid you not. We had not seen a person for four days. This is true. We had not seen a person for four days at this campground. I'm dancing around with my pants around my ankles on this concrete table. My kids think it's hilarious. And round the corner of the drive, these people drive into the campground. I kid you not. For four days, no one's there. I'm dancing on this tabletop. Oh, do you, uh, uh, actions speak louder than words. Did they stay like that? <laughs> I think I managed to sort of partly jump, partly fall off the, off the table quick enough. They did stay around. They're a lovely couple from Victoria travelling around Australia. <clears throat> my point is, my point is, it's easy to say stuff, isn't it? But it takes it to a whole other level when you put those words into action. Actions speak louder than words. We're in a series that, uh, where we're talking about sharing our faith. Uh, Jesus said to his followers, to his disciples and those who are with him, uh, his, sort of, his final speech before he left earth, he said, go and make disciples of all nations. And for 2,000 years, the church, followers of Jesus, have been doing that. They've been sharing the good news of the resurrection with people all over the world. They've been talking about their belief in the reality, the reality of the resurrection. That Jesus lived, that he died, and that he rose again. And they've been telling, they've been telling people not because they have to, but because they want to. For 2,000 years, people have wanted to share this news because they want other people they meet. They want their friends, their family, they want people they work with. They want other people to experience the wow of a life with Jesus that they already know. 
They're not, they're not trying to twist people's arms into a certain kind of belief. They're not trying to manipulate people in, into acting a certain kind of way. They want other people to experience the wow of a life lived with Jesus. As I said last week, it's, it's like what happens after you go to a great restaurant or see a brilliant movie. You just want to tell other people about it. You just want to say, have you eaten at such and such? You should go there. The food's fantastic. But for many Christians, sharing their faith is, is scary. People aren't sure what to say. They're not sure what to do. And so the truth is, and, and I'm, we're just trying to be as honest as we can, the truth is for, for many of us, and maybe many of us in this place, while there's a part of us that would really love to share our faith, there's, there's a part of us that would love our friends and our family to experience Jesus the way that we have. We're reluctant. We're reluctant to share our faith because we're just not sure how to do it, when to do it, and, and, and sort of how the whole thing goes together. This series is about helping you overcome that reluctance and those hesitations, and we're trying to be as practical as we can when we talk about how we share our faith. We began the series talking about the why of sharing our faith with the understanding that, that until you understand and believe, until the sort of the why we share our faith, until you get that inside, it actually doesn't, the how doesn't matter, you know? If, if, if you don't really get the why, the how is just details. And then last week we talked, we started talking about the how, and we talked last week about sharing our faith with words. We talked about sharing your story. How we share our own story, our own experience with Jesus. And then we talked about his story. How we share uh, what Christians often call the gospel story, the story of Jesus. And we got really practical for those who were here. We actually had uh, note pages and, and we spent some time on our own. You know, actually thinking about what does my story look like making notes. And then we jumped into twos and threes. And we actually practically, we kind of role played the thing. And people had a chance to actually share their faith. Some people maybe for the very first time. This week, we're going to continue talking about the how as we talk about not what we say, but about what we do. Because we've said there are, really, there are two ways that people share faith. We either share faith with our words, what we say, or we share faith with our actions, what we do. We said last week that both are equally important. We're going to see that Jesus did both. Jesus taught both, sharing our faith with both actions and words. The early church absolutely lived both. They shared their faith with their actions, with what they did, and they shared their faith with their words and, and what they said. Sharing faith has always been a combination of both those things, our words and our actions. So today we're going to talk specifically about our actions. Jesus told a lot of stories. Often he taught people by telling stories that would make the point that he was trying to make. He did it by telling a story. And when people asked him questions, he often responded to their questions with a story. And I reckon if, if I asked you to remember the stories that Jesus told, the story that we're going to look at this morning is one of the most well-known stories that Jesus ever told. 
In fact, if I gave you a blank piece of paper and said, write down the stories you remember that Jesus told, my bet is many of you would remember this one. We're in Luke chapter 10. I'm going to start reading at verse 25, Luke chapter 10. On one occasion, an expert of the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What's written in the law? Jesus replied, how do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. You've answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But the man wanted to justify himself. So he asked, and who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down, traveling down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes. They beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road. And when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and he saw him, he too passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he travelled, came to where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him, he bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. And then he put the man on his own donkey and he brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and he gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbour to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert of the law replied, well, the man who had mercy on him. And Jesus told him, go and do likewise. A smart guy comes to test Jesus. He wants to see if he can trick Jesus. This is a guy with an agenda. And so he asks Jesus a bit of a loaded question. He said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? It's a way of saying, what's the most important thing that I have to do for God? And when Jesus says, well, what do you think? The man knows the right answer because the man has almost certainly heard Jesus answer the same question and teach this before. He knows the answer Jesus wants to hear and he gives it to him. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbour as yourself. You've probably heard in other parts of the Bible and we've read, you've heard Jesus say the same thing too, right? Everyone knew this was, this was something that Jesus talked about again and again and again. He knew it was the right answer. You've answered correctly, Jesus replied, do this and you will live. And the guy's like, yes, I got it right. But he's also like, yes, because Jesus has walked into his trap. Because then he springs his trick question when he says, and so Jesus, who is my neighbor? It's a trick question because what he's, he's trying to trick Jesus into saying someone because he knows that whoever Jesus says, it's going to leave someone out, right? 
If Jesus says, well, your neighbour are the people who live near you, then he's going to be able to say, ah, so I don't have to love the people who don't live near me. Or if Jesus says, well, uh, your neighbour is everyone who's in the same community as you or all the people who are uh, in the same nation you are. Whatever Jesus says, he's going to be able to point to Jesus and say, ah, see, you don't actually have to love everyone. You know how you say you have to love everyone? You've just proved that you don't have to love anyone, everyone. You only have to love those who fit in the circle of your neighbour. Get it? But Jesus is uber smart. Right? <laughs> Jesus is so, so clever. And in the spur of the moment, he tells this story. He tells this story where a guy gets mugged when he's travelling. Now, that, this doesn't happen to us most of the time today because we're in cars and we're speeding. But in the time of Jesus, travelling was a really dangerous thing. To leave one town and to go to another town on the open road where there was no one around you. You didn't have a, you know, there were no cell phones to call the police. And so it was quite, travelling was a dangerous thing. It was not uncommon for people to be robbed as they were travelling. People would literally sort of hide on the side of the roads, a bit like those old Robin Hood movies, if you know the kind of thing. And they would attack people as they passed by. So in this story, a guy gets robbed. So everyone knows this happens, right? It's a, this is a known story for people. And he says, and then as this guy is naked and bleeding and probably dying on the side of the road, a priest walks by. Now, for us, that would be like saying a, a pastor or a minister or a reverend or, you know, someone, uh, you know, kind of a sort of a big spiritual person walks by. But the person who walks by on the other side of the road, sees the person, I don't want to have anything to do with that. Like many people would today, if you see a car accident or something, you think, you know what, it's just probably better to, to, to stay away and you know, let, let it be someone else's problem. He walks by on the other side of the road, keeps going. In Jesus' story, he says, and the, the next person to walk by is a Levite. Now, there were, there were 12 tribes in the nation of Israel, and the Levites were the tribe that were appointed by God to look after the temple and all of those things. So they're, they're kind of like the church workers. So they're, they're pretty spiritual people, right, the Levites? He says, so a Levite comes by, someone who's a you know, pretty spiritual dude, but he also walks by on the other side of the road, doesn't want to have anything to do with it. And then in Jesus' story, he says that a Samaritan comes past. Now, if you're a Jew, the Jews didn't like the Samaritans and the Samaritans didn't like the Jews, like really didn't like them. So at this point in the story, you're imagining the way the story would go is you would say the Samaritan came by, gave him a kick for good measure and then went through his pockets uh, or, you know, see if there was any loose change lying on the ground that he would take. That's how you imagine the story would go. In fact, you're probably thinking, I bet it was Samaritans who mugged the guy in the first place, right? Because that is the kind of thing that Samaritans do. And then Jesus throws a twist into the story that no one saw coming. Because in this story, the Samaritan stops and helps the guy. And not just a little bit of help, he goes over the top helping the guy bandages his wounds, looks after him, doesn't just look after him there, puts him on his donkey and actually takes him with him, takes him to the town that he's going to, takes him to an inn there like a a hotel and, and puts him up, pays for him, 
spends the night uh, with him and the next day when he goes to leave, says to the innkeeper, look, here's uh, two denarii. The historians tell us that uh, a denarii was about a day's wages. So it's a couple of days' wages. So I don't know what that is, you know, maybe two, four, five hundred dollars, something like that. Like he's given the guy hundreds of dollars to say, I want you to keep looking after this guy. And actually, when I come back, I'm going to be returning this way. When I come back, if you spend more than these couple of hundred dollars, I'll come back and I'll pay you extra again. It's over the top care for this guy that's being mugged. And then Jesus throws the question back at the smart guy who was trying to trick him in the first place. Throws the question back to him and says, which of these three do you think was a neighbour to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? It's an obvious answer. The guy can't say anything else, can he? Well, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus says, go and do likewise. It's one of these fantastic Jesus drop the mic moments where the guy has no comeback, nothing else to say. Not only has Jesus sort of answered his trick question, but he has answered it in a way that has made his point more abundant than he could have made it without. There's a lot to learn from this story and you can sort of cut and slice this story in a a whole bunch of ways. There's, There's so much in it. But one thing that's so obvious that you can almost miss it when you read the story the first time is that in this story, for Jesus, faith in God requires action. I mean, Jesus says, go and do likewise. He doesn't say go and think likewise. He says to the teacher, go and do likewise. This is love in action, right? This is putting our words in into action. Actions speak louder than words. Jesus is making the point that love is an action. Love is not an idea. It's not a feeling. It's an action. The Samaritan did something. The Samaritan demonstrated his goodness by doing something. Love in action. I mean, the priest and the Levite, they might have felt sorry for the man. They might have even walked by thinking, I hope that guy gets better. They might have even prayed for the guy when they were walking. Who knows? But in this story, the guy who's commended, the man that Jesus holds up is the one who did something, who put their belief into action and did something. (coughs) Jesus' first followers, the people that heard this story, They took this on and they lived like this. When we read Acts, which is the book uh, that covers the first sort of 10, 20, 30, 40 years of the church. In Acts chapter 6, Acts chapter 6 tells a story about the organisation of a free meals program that the early church had. Now, the story goes on to to make another point, Um, uh, but the point for us today is that Acts 6 probably happens less than 18 months after the resurrection. And here we are less than a couple of years after the resurrection and already this tiny baby little first church have a meals program where they're feeding widows in their local community every day, where widows can come and get a free meal from the church. Church didn't have a building 
Church didn't have a name. Church didn't have a sign. None of that. But they were feeding widows in their local community. 10 to 15 years after the resurrection, James, who's Jesus' brother, writes a letter to the church. We've got a copy. It's the book of James in our Bibles. And some people were arguing, obviously, about this whole faith in action thing. And some people were sort of pushing back on the idea that we need to put our faith into action. And James writes really bluntly to them these words. This is James chapter 2, verse 14. He said, what good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such a faith save them? Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it's not accompanied by action, is dead. James makes it super, super clear that faith, real faith in Jesus requires action. In fact, James goes as far as saying that that a faith without action is dead. And for thousands of years since James wrote those words, since Jesus told that story, followers followers of Jesus have been sharing their faith in action. For thousands of years since that time, followers of Jesus have been sharing their faith with others in action, in doing things. For thousands of years, followers of Jesus have been feeding the poor. They've been caring for the sick. They've been giving shelter for the homeless. They've been fighting for the rights to free people who are in prison, unfairly in prison. In fact, in the research I've been doing over this series... I knew some of this, but I discovered... Do you realise that so many of the hospitals and charities and organisations that exist in the world today were actually started by people of faith? There are many organisations, places that, that today aren't particularly sort of Christian. You know, you don't think of them as, as Christian charities now, but they're actually started by Christian people living out their faith. Feeding the poor turned into a soup kitchen. Caring for a sick person turned into a hospital. Providing a bed for a kid who had no home turned into an orphanage. That's how these things got started. Fighting to free an innocent, imprisoned person turned into organisations that now do this all over the globe. But sharing faith in action isn't just about starting hospitals and orphanages. I mean, it is that. Sharing your faith in action is also about those little daily moments that all of us face every single day, those little daily decisions that come into our lives every single day. Do I talk to that person who's all alone? That person I know who's got no friends, do I invite them? Do I let someone into the line in front of me? 
do I let someone into the line in front of me when I'm in my car? Because that's just a whole other thing, isn't it? <clears throat> Am I kind and friendly to someone who serves me at a shop? Even if they seem rude or abrupt or short with me, am I kind to them? Do I give generously when someone asks? You know, really generously, not just the loose change, but, you know, take my cue from the Samaritan story, sort of above and beyond generosity. Do I ask more questions about others than I talk about myself? Do I, do I follow up those questions I ask about others? You know, to give them a call during the week and ask them how they're going. When it's so easy to just be consumed by the concerns of my own life. These are the things that happen to us all every day, aren't they? You don't plan for them. You don't you don't get up in the morning and, and necessarily think about them. They just happen. The question is how we're going to respond in those moments. Our faith in action is how we respond when those things happen to us. Sometimes sharing faith requires action and skill and gifts. I mean, not everyone can build a hospital, can they? I mean, some of us, where would you start? But to be I mean, some of us should do that. Some of you are sitting here thinking, you know what, I do have the skills to do those things. And so there is, a, there is a part of sharing our faith in action where we do need to sit and to ask God, God, what are the gifts that you've given me and how can I intentionally use those gifts to share faith with other people? But often sharing faith just requires us to show up in the moments that we're in. Because let's be honest, everyone can talk kindly to someone. Everyone can be friendly to someone. Everyone can be generous to people around them. In those cases, the question isn't, can I do this? But the question is simply, will I do this in this moment? Christians share their faith because they love people. That's the why that we talked about in the first week of the series. Christians share their faith because God so loved the world that he sent his son that people wouldn't perish but would have eternal life in him. God didn't come to condemn the world. He came to save the world through Jesus. Christians share their faith because they believe, they read, they understand that Jesus loved all people. There were no in people and out people for Jesus. There were no, there was no us and them for Jesus. Everyone was an us for Jesus. Everyone was in the group for him. Christians share their faith because they saw how much Jesus loved people on the cross. And because as we say all the time in this church, followers of Jesus follow Jesus. Sharing our faith in action demonstrates the love of God to other people. It's a way of literally showing people, this is how much God loves you. We're not just going to say God loved the world so much. We're going to show you how much God loved the world. It demonstrates the love of God to others. And sharing our faith in action is what prompts people to ask why. 
People aren't going to ask why you're a Christian just because you, you sort of walk out this building on the weekend. But people will ask why when you offer them a meal. Why are you offering me a meal? Why are you opening your home to give me a bed? Why are you giving your time and your money to help me? Why are you being kind to me? No one else is kind to me like this. Why are you being kind to me like this? Why are you fighting for the freedom of people that you don't even know? Why do you care about those people? Why do you care if they're unjustly in prison? Why do you care about those kids in that country over there somewhere? Why do you do the things that you do? Why do you live the way you do? When we share our faith in action, it opens doors of conversation. And sometimes those actions are planned and prepared. Sometimes they are people sitting down saying, this is what God's calling me to do and I'm going to do that. And sometimes those actions are random responses to things. And so the simple question I'm going to leave us with this morning is, are you ready? Are you prepared? Are you willing to share your faith in action with the world around you right where you are? Are you prepared to give? Are you prepared to serve? Are you prepared to be generous? Are you prepared to put the needs of others before the needs of yourself? That's what the Samaritan did on the road. In the story Jesus told. That's what people, Christians, have been doing for thousands of years. It's literally why we have many of the organisations that we do, uh, that are doing good on the planet today. Because at some point, somewhere, some follower of Jesus said, this shouldn't be this way. And I'm going to take some action to show these people the love of Jesus. 